Hi, I'm Doug Weiss. And I'm Alvian Lyons. This is Love Life. Alvian, you know, we've talked about so many different issues that men and women have to navigate mm-hmm. um, in their relationships. Any people have to navigate in their relationships, whether romantic or not. But one of the more challenging, I think, is the situation that we have as our topic for today. Mm -hmm. What do you do when the relationship is not just between you and another person, but between you and another person and another another person? person. (laughs) (laughs) Now, by this, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about... uh, I can't choose between Harry and Tom. Right. I'm talking about the invisible third person in a relationship. And this can be, it can take many forms. Yes, it can. It can be uh, a former spouse mm-hmm. or, or a former uh, relationship that you had. In oh. the case of, of widows and widowers, it could be your Meddling deceased, mother. It could be the meddling mother, right? <laughs> so there, there are a variety of incarnations of this problem mm-hmm. or this challenge. But the one thing they have at root is that there's some other person, person mm-hmm. the relationship between one of the partners with that, in, that not present person. <laughs> let me say it that way, mm-hmm. um, begins to interfere mm-hmm. and can, in extreme cases, undermine a relationship to the point where it leads to the end of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So what do you do about it? <laughs> <laughs> How do you get past this? I'm, that's, that's really challenging. Um, because, for instance, and just in terms of the meddling mom, I must admit that I think I'm a little bit of a meddling mom. I think I am just just a little bit, okay. And what I mean by I'm, that I'm is, not buying that, but okay. <laughs> what I mean by that is that I have very strong perspectives as a byproduct of both training and experience, and I have young adult daughters, so they talk to me very often about their relationships and navigating these spaces and so on and so forth. So in many ways, unintentionally, I am a part of the relationship because of how close I am to my girls, that the other party, whomever they may be dating, may not even be fully aware of the level of influence I'm having in the trajectory of the relationship because I'm the counsel to my to my children. So I... I must say that it's a little bit, it's probably a bit challenging because if I were on the other end of that, if I were their partner, and I think that it's just the two of us trying to navigate whatever said situation is, and it turns out it's really not just the two of us, that after we finish this conversation, you're going to go have this conversation with your mom, and her perspective is going to matter significantly to you, and that's going to influence the decision that's actually made that's really not just about the two of us. It's about her her bird's eye view on the relationship. So I can say that fortunately it has worked out in positive ways thus far, but what were to happen if given how close I am to them, if I'm jaded 
about some things that they come to me with Mm -hmm. about the relationship and I am negatively influencing the trajectory of the relationship unintentionally, Mm -hmm. but because they trust me and because they believe in my counsel, I could really affect how that turns out. And there's going to have to come a point where my opinion is just my opinion that they're able to form autonomy enough to say that it is a perspective. It's a perspective I value, but at the end of the day, I'm going to make the best decision for me and my partner, me and my husband, me and my significant other, but not necessarily mom's decision in this situation. Mm -hmm. Because after all, they're the ones who have to live inside of that. That intimacy is between them and their significant other. It really is not about me. So I, I think it's a very interesting, depending upon the um, the form in which this third party may take, um, will, can determine whether or not this is a good thing, a bad thing, or a very tenuous thing, something that kind of exists on the edge and really can teeter in one direction or another. But autonomy is going to be extremely important inside of a relationship for for true intimacy to really exist. And for the health of the relationship to really be able to be nurtured, because the third party factor really adds some wild cards, quite yeah. honestly, in, yeah. in how the relationship can turn out. What do you think, Doug? Well, to agree, I think that the challenge for us as parents is to equip our children with a sufficient sense of themselves mm-hmm. and the intellectual capacity to discern um, without placing undue influence on the input from anyone. Right. Including your own parents. Absolutely. Um, to arrive at your own understanding, um, to accept input, evaluate it, and make decisions, but not just simply to endorse something because, after all, Uncle Harry told me that, or <laughs> Mom taught me that, or um, I think we want them to have that kind of critical um, viewpoint. Not critical in the sense of condemnatory, but critical in the sense of being able to parse out what they're right. hearing and, right. and apply to it their own life experience, their own judgment, and to seek input from a variety of people and evaluate it and arrive at their own conclusions. I think to sort of turn this, uh, uh, maybe not 90 degrees, but on another angle, uh, the harder situation, I think, to deal with is when there is a lack of closure or resolution in a prior relationship. I would agree. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I haven't gotten over Sally. I'm still in love. I'm still mm-hmm. somehow connected. Mm-hmm. And I've brought my relationship or the absence of my relationship with Sally into my new relationship. Oh, yeah. Because then you're dealing with a ghost. Mm-hmm. And, and the ghost, you know, kind of is haunting your every interaction with the person that you're with. 
And what's tough about that is that our tendency is to over-romanticize what that previous relationship was. So now this person walks on water, even though you guys used to argue when you were together and he he or she used to get on your very last nerve. None of those things seem to exist when when there's still that lingering connection. You forget all of those things and you literally, you know, put a microscope on these romantic moments that you shared, this intimacy that you might have shared, and now the person that you're with at this point never can seem to measure up to this glorified version of your ex that you are you know nurturing in a way that can be profoundly um, detrimental to the evolution of your current relationship well I think the most pernicious form of this the most difficult part to contend with is as you say, there's a tendency to idealize mm-hmm. the former relationship. And that puts the partner in this current relationship in the most difficult of positions. You can't be critical. Right. And there's no objectivity going on here. So anything you say is going to be perceived through that lens. Mm-hmm. And to even raise the question may be, in fact, a trigger in your current relationship. It's hard to suss this out before you're, you know, engaged. I don't mean that in the sense right. of marriage, but, often, but before you, you are know. connected, right. you, you may not, yeah. And you may not be able to, to understand the intensity of feeling or the existence. Um, you know, many times you'll go through that phase early in a relationship where you're asking the probing questions with each other. The, what's your history? How did you get here? What's happened? What were your prior relationships like? Um, and it may come up that you know, certainly the objective facts of, of another relationship. Um, but I think it's hard sometimes to, to find the ear for the telltales that, that reveal to you that someone's still hung up and there's another person, Inside if you will, there. in the room. In the room, right, yeah. even if you can't see them. And then on a, another version of that is when someone has been hurt from a previous relationship mm-hmm. and he or she is now gun-shy about all kinds of things inside of this relationship and you find that you're the partner that's having to cash the check that somebody else wrote and you weren't the one to have, you know, the infidelity or the indiscretion. Yeah, I didn't or the, do this I didn't to you. do it. Right. It wasn't me. Right. But somehow when we when we find ourselves in conflict... I realize that you're not arguing with me about the issue we had. You're still in an argument with your ex about the transgression that they were responsible for. And there's nothing I can do to resolve their transgressions except to try to bring you present into this moment to say, baby, I am not Daryl. I did not do what Sean did. I did not do what Laura did. It was not, I'm not her or I'm not him. And I recognize that that was a painful time in your life, but I don't want you to live inside of this pain with me because I will never do to you what they did to you. And, and sometimes it's almost um, necessary to kind of take ownership of the moment to ensure that 
you and I are standing in this moment rather than the two of us standing in a previous moment. Yeah. And, and I think that there's plenty of opportunity here for, for misunderstanding, even when there isn't a, um, a real issue. And, you know, let me give you an example. Um, Peggy and I both lost our spouses. Right. right? That's part of our life story. Mm-hmm. In new situations, when meeting new people, um, and you get into a conversation and subjects come up about your life, it's not at all inappropriate or unusual to say, well, I was married, I lost my... Mm-hmm. Do that often enough if you're in a situation where you're meeting a lot of new people over a short period of time, or you're in a social setting you know, over the course of a, of a day or an evening or a weekend. Um, that story gets told a bunch so of times. Many times. If you right? don't step back and understand context, then you have a dynamic that could be mm. uncomfortable. Mm. Um, I, I, I'll tell this story about myself. Many years ago, um, I was at a social gathering um, with my then wife, and she had lost her husband. And we were visiting with friends of hers and her late husband's. And the entire evening was a conversation about him him and the things that they had done together as couples. Mm. And I found myself sitting on the sofa kind of with nothing to say, nothing to contribute to the conversation for obvious reasons. But also, you know, as the evening went on, wanting to, to say... How about those? <laughs> <laughs> How about anything else? Okay. Yeah, could could okay. I understand that you, you haven't seen I'm each sure other in a while lovely. and want to catch <laughs> right. up. And um, but but I'm it, here. Yeah, uh, I'm it, here. And and do you wish I wasn't? At the end of the evening, as we were going home, I I turned to my wife and I said, "You know that I, I understand that you were. It must have been." good for you to reconnect to, to your friends and to reminisce about times you had together. And I didn't want to throw a wet blanket on it. But I do have to tell you that I was a little uncomfortable by the end of the evening because it really felt as if um, you didn't need to have me along. Um, right. You know, I, you could have gone to this without me because this was a, I don't know, this was a, uh, a celebration of, of his life, of his life and right. your life with, with him, him and mm-hmm. this couple. And perhaps and I was there's nothing at all in wrong in that, right? But, but it did make me feel as if everything since then was of no consequence. That's a rough situation to be in, and I tell people all the time. I said, "Listen, if anything ever, God forbid, in some alternate universe that does not exist, happened to Matthew, I should never get remarried because I will be horrible." I mean, I just know I will be horrible because I think he walks on water. And I know that I would rehearse that in a thousand different ways at every possible moment. And worse yet, all my girlfriends think he walked on water, too. So if this next guy is even 10 percent less than him, God help him. So the deck is is stacked there. Poor guy. I mean, like I truly I really would just have to casually date. I would never I don't know that I would ever be able to 
marry again and my kids would be the worst. I mean, like I already know in advance, they're so loyal to their dad and so loyal to the love that we have that I think they would remind whoever the next partner is every day of the week, every minute of the day that you are never going to be as good as my dad was like never fill his shoes. So I just feel sorry for them, for whoever that poor chap is. (laughs) You know, recently I I watched this unfold, a a fellow that I know uh, from church who um, lost his wife a few years ago, and he was alone and, and I would say, you know, sad. Mm. Um, he, he socialized less. He just seemed mm. depressed. Aww. And um, as fate would have it, he met someone at church, a perfectly lovely lady, and a romance began. And his kids were apoplectic <laughs> because they, you know, their perception was this was a replacement for mom. Yep. And they, they were, they. I mean, this wasn't a passive resistance to it. They no, did it everything active. in their power the to try resistance. to derail this relationship. And when he announced that he was going to get remarried, oh my gosh, it was nuclear in the family. I mean, literally, they were ha- holding meetings. His brother <laughs> and his sister holding meetings, coming up with plots to foil foil all of the this relationship. Picket signs out front, and it's just the kids marching. Right. <laughs> That would be mine. My kids would be horrible. My kids, I, I already know. My kids would be horrible. I would really feel sorry for whoever that was. It would it would really take divine intervention for my kids to be kind to whoever is next. Like mm-hmm. I just I told Matt, we just we're just gonna have to die like within a couple of days of each other. Like we're just well let's let's pull a notebook, let's hold hands. I can understand this. Let's though. make love, let's wake yeah. up with God together. Like that's how we need to do this. When when my dad died. Um, my mom was alone for a while, not a terribly long time, but she um, eventually ended up with a fellow that I don't think there was any romantic connection. It was but more companionship. It was companionship, and my mom was never uh, someone who was very good at being alone. Mm. She needed uh, a both practically mm-hmm. and emotionally to have somebody else around. Mm-hmm. And I... I I'm trying to be as as objective as possible. I didn't particularly care for the guy. For her that choice. She, no, I didn't. Um, he was not just because he was different, but I, I really felt she did herself a disservice. My brother, on the other hand, not only didn't like this guy, he absolutely hated him. And every <laughs> time these two people were together, it was all-out war. <laughs> To the point where I found myself being, my mother invoked me as the as the peacekeeper in the family. The referee. A thankless task, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all that you can hopefully achieve in that is to have both of them hate you. <laughs> At least there'd be balance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a plague in all your houses. So, I, you know, to, no, to try and bring yeah, some... There's no easy way. Yeah. I, I, I think these are these are... We don't necessarily, I think, and can't necessarily offer you a specific uh, answer here other than if you don't start surfacing these things as soon as you recognize them 
and have frank and, and open conversation about them and bring them to the other person's attention, whether intentionally or unintentionally they've introduced that third party into the relationship. It's, it's, um, you're never going to resolve it without that kind of dialogue. Yeah, relationships are not meant to be triangles. <laughs> what a great line to end on. Well, we have a kind of a triangle relationship. It's Alvian and me and Kamaria, Kamaria and Todd. Well, technically that with, makes us a square. With you, the audience. Uh, <laughs> We've enjoyed uh, this conversation today, enjoyed spending some time with you, and hope that you'll come back next week and listen to another episode. In the meantime, if you have some thoughts about this or any other topic, please feel free to write to us. Um, I'm Doug at uh, lovelife.digital. And I'm Alvian at lovelife.digital. And we will be back with you next week for more intriguing conversation. Bye, folks.